0: You're listening to The Jewish Truth Bomb with Lenny Goldberg. Hello,
1: this is Lenny Goldberg, and thank you for joining me today. This past week, another four Jews murdered at the junction at Ellie by the Chumas Eliyau at the junction there by the gas station. A couple more injured. Add that to the list of murdered Jews in the land of Israel. You know, you get the feeling you're a duck at a shooting gallery just waiting your turn. I live in Tepoach, right in the heart of the Shamron. So I'm a few kilometers from the murder attack in Eli, going south. And Chowara, the other shooting gallery, that's right in my backyard going north. And these communities, they're close-knit. We know these people. If we don't know them, our kids know them. Their faces are all familiar to us. The places they were shot and killed, we pass every single day. I'm sure when people get the news outside of the land of Israel, they hear about a shooting, some more Jews killed. I'm sure it hurts a lot of people, but it's nothing like when you know the people or you've seen those people. And the government, helpless and hapless. And, and right after it happened, the Hilltop youth and the settlers from surrounding villages, they rampaged throughout the Arab villages, especially the one where the Arab murderers came from. And they burned cars and they threw stones and they did damage. And I'm sure the world doesn't like that. I know that's what they're showing on the news. Arab cars going up in flames and all kinds of arson and damage being done to these villages. And I'm going to be really blunt here. The only thing we could do now against this Arab enemy is to take it upon ourselves. What these kids are doing is the only thing you can do. You think we can wait for the IDF to protect us? If we're going to wait for the IDF to protect us, then we're doomed. Yeah, after the Arabs murder a Jew, the IDF will try to get that Arab. They'll go after him. They'll probably catch him. And maybe they'll kill him. But so what? A Jew just got murdered. Our lives, and not just in Hudan Shamron, in Tel Aviv, and all of Israel, our lives are hefker. Our blood is cheap. And if we expect that the Israeli defense forces are going to come to our defense, you know, with all the respect, it's not going to happen. Let me talk a little bit about the Israeli defense forces, Sahal. And I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. I know it all makes us proud, a Jewish army and all that. But know that the IDF is an ideologically vapid body. It's like a big golem, okay? It's the arm of a government that has no plan, no ideology, I had to stop what's going on here. Even their name is problematic. What do you mean IDF, Israeli Defense Forces? Everything's about defense. We need offense. We need conquest. We need kibush. Defense means that we're being defended after we're attacked. I don't want to be attacked. In the same way, I'm not interested in death penalties for terrorists, I want them dead before they kill a Jew. And since we know that the IDF isn't going to do anything, whether their hands are tied, whether they're incapable. So when the residents of Yitzhar, the blessed settlers, go into that town where those murderers came from and they cut off the electricity, they take the law in their hands, well, of course, that's the only way left. And even if the IDF wanted to do more, and many settlement leaders are criticizing the government and the IDF are not doing more, What are they supposed to do anyway? They can't cover every kilometer on these roads. What are you gonna have a Jeep every kilometer or a soldier patrolling everywhere? It's a huge area here. They can't cover it if they wanted to. That's why we're not supposed to have Arabs here in the first place. It's the land of Israel, not the land of Yishmael. So when the settlers fight back, that's really the only way. I hate to break it to you. The salvation isn't coming from this government or any government. It's gonna come from the down up. It's gonna be people who care, who are willing to put their freedom on the line because these guys are getting arrested left and right right now, all those who went to those Arab villages. That's all that's left because the IDF has no deterrent factor anymore. When the IDF dispatches a Jeep inside an Arab village, it gets stoned. And I want to tell you another advantage of Jews fighting back and not sitting and taking it and waiting for the IDF to do something. You know, when there's a lot of terror attacks, like in the settlement of Itamar, for example, which is right near me, over the years, they've suffered a lot of attacks. There's a lot of hilltops out there that are hard to defend. And not just on the hilltops. The Fogels lived inside Itamar itself. And there have been numerous incidents in the Shuvit Itamar. And let me tell you something. Those kids, they're traumatized. A lot of those kids have problems. What do you expect from them? Their siblings, their friends, their parents, their teachers have been killed. Somebody they know has been killed. You think those kids aren't thinking about it? They might not talk about it. They don't always show it, but it affects them. When Binyamin Kahana and Talia Kahana were murdered on the road 60 between Beitel and Ofra, they were close friends of ours and neighbors of ours. My kids were pretty little back then. And they don't say anything. They don't say, oh, Abba, what am I going to do? I feel terrible. No, but every once in a while, you look at them and you see them staring at the space. And you know the thinking about it. I mean, it's a psychological mess when all around you, people are getting killed and they bring in therapists and social workers and all that. But you know what the best therapy is? I'll tell you the best therapy. Nikama, revenge. You go out and you do something. You don't sit there and take it all the time like some punching bag. When you go out and fight back and you're active and you're doing something, that's healthy. That's the healthiest thing you can do for those kids. Mental health, I'm talking. It's just not good for your psyche and your pride to be a victim all the time. So when you go out and take offense, that's the best therapy in the world. And so that's the real direction that has to be taken here, to take our destiny into our own hands and not to rely on anybody but ourselves. Now, most of the people who are going out into those Arab villages, they're not your typical settlers. I mean, most settlers today who come to you down in they come for the fresh air and cheap housing. That's what they're here for. But I'm talking what we call the hilltop youth, not necessarily the ones who live on hilltops, but it's an attitude. Hilltop youth, it's an attitude. And the attitude is, all of Eretz israel belongs to us. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what Biden says. They're the next generation, the normal ones, even though they're considered extremists and the mainstream in Israel and the United States trashes them all the time. But they're going to be considered the heroes of Israel in a couple of decades. People are going to go back and say, wow, look at these guys. Just like we look at the Lech and the Etzel, who were considered terrorists in their day. Well, they're going to do the same thing with the Hilltop youth. They're going to say, look how they lived. Look at these hilltops and these crummy mattresses they slept on. They're going to make museums out of these places because they're the generation that didn't fall in love with the army and the state too much. See, our generation, we love the state. We love the army. We're giving the soldiers a cup of coffee and ice cream. But these kids are getting beat up by the soldiers. They're getting evacuated by soldiers. So they don't look at the soldiers like we do, and they're able to fight back. It's like the generation in the desert. You know, We saw the sin of the spies. In the sin of the spies, that generation, they were afraid. They felt like grasshoppers. They couldn't go against giants. What will the nation say? We can't go into Eretz Israel. So what happened? They all died out. Forty years in the desert, they died out. And then a new generation arose. And that generation was a generation that didn't know bondage. That's the generation in Parshat Chukat, the Parshat we just read, that they conquered the East Bank. They did it real nice. No guilt feelings. They didn't worry what the goyim say. They just went and they sledgehammered them, Sihon and Og, and conquered all those areas on the east bank of the Jordan River because that was the new generation. They had no hangups. They had no fear. They had no slave galut mentality like their parents did. Well, these kids as well, they're less connected to those ideologies their parents have secular Zionism, or even religious Zionism about being mamlachti and loving the government and only the IDF can save us and the uniforms of the IDF soldiers are like the garments of the priest, they don't see it that way because they grew up during Oslo. They didn't grow up during the 67 war or the Entebbe. So there's nothing for them to be proud of. The only thing they see is the shin Bet, all the security forces, including soldiers, harassing them, arresting them, beating them, to them, those those security forces are more the enemy than the Arabs are. You think when they're running through those villages, they're afraid of Arabs? They're not afraid of Arabs. They're afraid of getting arrested. They're afraid of the Shin Bet. They're afraid of the Jewish department of the Shabak. So how are they supposed to feel about the state? Just try to grasp the reality of this. Four dead Jews, settlers from Yitzhar, the Shuv Yitzhar, they enter an Arab village to take vengeance for the deaths of their friends. They're inside the Arab village which is the village that these murderers came from. And while they're in that village doing what they're doing, they're not afraid of the Arabs. They got to worry about the Jews. They, get, they have to worry about getting arrested and sitting in administrative detention, like some are already doing. Like the two young men sitting in administrative detention after they rampaged through Hawara a couple of months ago after the murder of the Yaniv brothers. They're not scared of the Arabs They're afraid of the Shin Bet and the Israeli security forces who are going to incarcerate them, who are going to put them in a dark cell for a long time, away from their families, because these kids are trying to do something to avenge the death of these Jews, because nobody else will, and nobody else is going to deter the Arabs from doing it again. Now, just to show how serious the situation is, and that if we rely on this government and the IDF, we're in big trouble, there's a senior commentator the head of the Arab desk at Channel 13 News. He's been doing this for 20 years. His name is Tzvi Haskeli, very serious guy. He's a Balchuvah, a Breslover, lives in Badayan. And he's been covering the major events and developments in the region for a long time. And he interviews Arab leaders. I mean, he's inside the Arab communities. And he was interviewed last week on FM Radio and Arucheva wrote an article about his interview. And he explained in this interview how the whole area, of Judea and Samaria is flooded with weapons, that the price of the M16s have dropped and it's so easy to attain a firearm, an M16. And this is what he said in the interview. He says like this, the forces which are operating now in Jenin and Shechem, it's already not a game. It's not the Palestinian Authority, it's Hamas and Iran. You really have a big issue now. And the question is whether it'll lead to a regional war. Every operation that you announce before you start, it's doomed to failure. That is, when the IDF goes in some operation, it can't work because the Arabs have a heads up already. And I'll read more here. Hexkeli said emphatically, you don't have the ability in your situation today from Israel's security paradigm, leadership, and so on, to embark on an operation which will eliminate terror. Test me on this one. Come to me in another month or two, and you'll see that the terror has only increased. And the article continues, we haven't managed to eliminate terror. The terrorists come, they fire at Jews, and no one stops them. One terrorist escapes 40 kilometers away from there and no one discovers him. There is freedom of movement in the Palestinian Authority, territories which allow these things. Israel is not part of the game. So what he's saying here is that the Arab population inside Israel now and the terrorists, they're running freely. There's no control. There's really no control of what's going on. We'd like to think, yeah, there's control, there's intelligence, we know something, forget about it. The amount of terror cells and the weapons all over the place, the idea if they don't have a handle on it anymore, and I'll tell you something else, and this is pretty scary, but we know it's true. Anytime the Arabs really want to, they can come into a settlement now and they could com- and commit a massacre. What, do you have a couple of soldiers in the Shin Gimel? and the settlers have some weapons and a kitat kononut, a response team? You're going to tell me that if the Arabs pull off a surprise attack, they're not going to be able to commit a massacre in a settlement? Yeah, afterwards, the jeeps will come and they'll come from the big army base, more soldiers and jeeps. But in the meantime, the Arabs could very easily right now, if they charge a settlement with what they have, they'll be able to pull off what they did in Tarpat, the 1929 Hebron massacre. That's coming our way too. And what if we get attacked from enemies outside of our borders? You don't think the Arabs inside Israel are the ultimate fifth column? You bet they are. Of course, once a war starts, you know, you know what side the Arabs inside Israel are going to be on. They're the classic fifth column. How are we going to handle that? While we're fighting a wars on our borders, we have this hostile Arab population inside us like a cancer who are on the side of our enemies. So when these settlers from Yitzhar and all these good Jews from Shiloh, they rampage into an Arab village to show them who's boss. Don't ever condemn that. And don't worry too much what the world says because because the only time they love us anyway is when we're dead. Like Rabbi Kahana used to say, I'd rather have a Jewish state that's hated by the whole world than an Auschwitz that's loved by it. You know, Benjamin Zev Kahana, the son of Rabbi Meir Kahana, he was also a great great Rav and a great thinker and ideologue. Right before he was murdered himself, he spoke at the Levaya of Hillel Lieberman, and he understood back then that the only answer to what's going on here is what he called to take our destiny into our own hands, not to be dependent on this government. After all, we the settlers, we in Hudan Shamron, we make the best soldiers. We know how to use guns. We're idealistic. Let us handle the situation. And I want to read a little bit of what Benjamin Kahn writes here. And this could be considered his his legacy or what he wants to pass on because it was right before he himself was killed. And this idea was brewing in him. And I was fortunate to be close to him. And I traveled with him to the United States during his last trips. And he was talking about it all the time. Now, just some historical context. When this was written, it was the year 2000, Shabbat Shuva between Yerusha and Yom Kippur. And the Arabs had overrun Kevri Yosef and killed some Jews. It killed Hillelieberman amongst them. Now, the situation at that time was little different than today. There was a lot of talk about withdrawing from the lands of Yehudah and Shemron. And Benjamin's talking here that if you want to withdraw, withdraw, but let us stay and let us take over the area. And I'm going to read a little bit of what he wrote. The situation currently facing us demands that we courageously reassess all that we have believed up to now. The issue before us is no longer just a fundamental problem of chilul Hashem and Jewish humiliation. Now it's just a simple issue of straightforward security and survival that involves each and every one of us. Living in the mountains of Judea and Samaria, we are truly fortunate in that we comprise a community that, for the overwhelming majority, has fear of God, loves its nation, and is prepared for self-sacrifice. And at this time of unrelenting strife, violence, and an all-out but declared war, this faith grants us an advantage over those who live in safer areas. The situation today is difficult and complex, On the one hand, we are fully prepared physically, emotionally, and spiritually to retain Jewish control over the Jewish homeland, maybe more prepared than any other sector in Israeli society. On the other hand, the IDF is being exposed with all the goodwill as a confused body lacking direction and ideology. And above all, with no faith in God. Additionally, we daily witness Jews throughout the land rising spontaneously, sick of the current government and the situation that it has wrought and they yearn for a determined leader who will steer the state along a truly Jewish path. Together with this, simple actions of individual Jews from all the settlements, such as blocking roads to Arab vehicles, are more successful in casting fear over the Arabs than the IDF, with all its jeeps and bulletproof vests and patrols and bewildered commanders. And in the light of these facts and their implications, we the inhabitants are determined to remain. So he's saying what I said, that the Arabs fear the settlers more than they do the IDF. And then we get to the Tachlis. My suggestion is as follows. Based upon the facts that I've outlined above, all the settlements on the mountain ridge running north-south along the length of Judean Samaria must conjoin with each other, forming a united leadership. This will immediately broadcast an unequivocal message to the IDF. Just as you abandoned Yosef's tomb in Shechem, so too abandon us. Abandon the entire mountain range whereon we live. This must be stated politely, calmly, and rationally. Clearly, you do not want to be here. We live here already and willing to take full responsibility for this area upon ourselves. Just allow us this responsibility. So please, hand over this land to us. By the grace of God, here in these mountains, we have wonderful youth and highly trained military personnel whose morale is high. They will gladly accept this responsibility upon themselves. Ultimately, They will take to their duties enthusiastically. And what is more important, with faith in the God who gave us this land, just leave us the arms. And even if not, we will nevertheless succeed and Hashem will be our strength. Without the slightest doubt, the Arab denizens will be terrified, merely at hearing this news. Authority here will no longer rest with the shackled army, which has for so long been the punching bag of Arab hooligans. Rather, those monstrous settlers will now take charge. And he writes in parentheses, And thank God the media portray us as the devil incarnate, if not worse. That is, don't take it hard when the media trashes the settlers, because by making us monsters, that's our trump card. We want the Arab enemy to think that. I'm going to read some more here. Without the slightest of doubt, such a step would clear the air here. There will be a complete about face. This news will, for the first time in too many years, attract youths in their hundreds, at least, who will come here to help at long last. There'll be a genuine Yeshua Haaretz and the beginning of Jewish sovereignty over the land of Israel. Can we ever begin to imagine the inspiration that this earth-shaking news would give to so many Jews, both secular and religious, in Israel and abroad? It's been far too long since we experienced that deep and stirring feeling of Jewish national pride. This is truly revolutionary, but it is far less revolutionary than the changes that have been wrought in the reality of Israel in the past few weeks and we have nothing to lose. Even if the IDF does not accept this proposal, as can be expected, at least in their initial stage, then at the very least, the military command and the government will realize that there is an additional and serious force on the ground, a force which they ignore at their peril. We speak here not of separation, but of additional Jewish sovereignty over a part of the land of Israel, which has been too long abandoned. We act for the good of the nation of Israel, for the good of the state of Israel, for the sake of our family safety. Above all, we act for the sake of Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of the name of God, and eradicating its desecration until the hour of final redemption comes. So we see that Rabbi Yamin Kahana's parting message was for the settlers to take matters into their own hands like they're doing now. Because at that time, like there is today, you saw the daily murder of Jews coupled with the futility of the IDF. And so Rabbi Yamin Kahana came to the conclusion then that the settlers will inevitably have to fend for themselves. So that's Rabbi Bidyam Kahana. And you know who else came to the conclusion that at the end of the day, it's not the police, it's not the soldiers who are really guarding Israel, but the settlers on those hilltops? Shlomo Kalibach. Yeah, Rabbi Shlomo Kalibach. Listen to what he says here. I'm gonna play it and translate. So he's talking here about the settlers and he's saying they're Kodesh kodeshim, They're the Holy of Holies. He says, I'm proud of them. I'm so proud of them. We're all proud of them. They sit at the height of the kingdom, always on guard. And then he quotes the verse from the Haggadah Pesach, which he turned into a beautiful song. I have appointed guards over you, over your cities, all day and all night. You know, I used to think that it was the policemen that were guarding us.
0: I thought it was the soldiers that were guarding us.
1: No offense, no offense. But I see it's the settlers. They're the ones who are guarding us.
0: They have a father in heaven.
1: Yeah, I set guards over you to watch your cities all day and all night. Thank you, Hiltap Youth, for guarding our cities. I'm proud of you too, for fighting back against those Arab thugs for saving the kavod of the Jewish people. And a lot of these guys are in jail right now. If you want to help them out, there's a great Amutah called Chonenu. Chonenu Chonenu helps these kids, helps their families, provides them with a lawyer. Give generously to Chonenu because these boys put it on the line for us. That's it for me. If you want to hear more of me, I have Bible classes. You can listen to my Bible classes, Lenny Goldberg's Bible classes, for an authentic Jewish learning experience. And after all, every Jew should know his Bible. You can learn it with me in the proper way, Jewish sources, with no filter. And I'll be back next week, God willing.